Hi all and welcome back to series four of the Huxley Morton podcast. I can't quite believe that we've come this far. So just want to kick off by saying a huge thanks to every single one of you who have supported us so far. And look, if you've enjoyed our previous shows, you are in for a treat this series. Uh, we've got more amazing guests, more remarkable stories and some new topics that are relevant to all of us. So look, if you get value in the interviews that we share, please like and subscribe. It really does help us to grow this platform and continue bringing you more and more incredible stories for now though sit back relax and enjoy the show welcome back to another episode of the huxley morton podcast the show where each week we speak to pharma company owners and industry leaders sharing their stories of personal and professional growth this week it is a pleasure to have on the show laurie halloran ceo at halloran consulting group uh laurie uh, I know that you and I first connected, wow, it's like way back before the holidays now, wasn't it? Um, welcome to the show. How have you been? Oh, I'm cramming away. Yeah. <laughs> it's just a long slog, but so far, so good. I've so been... far, so good? Yeah, yeah. Good to hear it. Well, I know at my end, Christmas and, and New Year was, yeah, fantastic catching up with friends and family, but uh, not so fat fantastic catching COVID uh, so it's been a bit of a yeah a slog um, coming back to the office in the new year but um, yeah I'm now feeling supercharged ready to go um, so look, it's, it's great to have you on the show I've given you a quick overview of who you are and, and, and the business name but look in, in your own words tell us um, a little bit about your role uh, and a quick overview as to what you do at Halloran Consulting Group? Sure. Um, well, I started it. Um, and when I started it, I didn't have any plan whatsoever. Um, it was, it's almost 24 years ago. So wow. I was, I was working for a big CRO mm -hmm. and I was integrating all the companies they had in Europe and I was going to have my first baby. And I didn't think it was really wise to be half the time in Europe when you had your first baby. Mm. So I started the company um, and then I realized after he was born that I needed daycare and I didn't have enough work to pay for daycare. So I took a job in a biotech company. Um, and in, obviously in, in Massachusetts, we have a, a very big concentration of biotech. Mm, um, huge. Yeah, it's, it's, I think that it's the number one place in the world. At least that's what we think of ourselves. So, <laughs> um, so I, it was a very small team and but everybody knew what they were doing and we had a plan and we were in phase one um and we had a product that really worked in oncology patients right but that was the great thing um i also was learning an incredible amount of things that people that work in cro's never get exposed to so mm -hmm. i've always had that in the back of my mind ever since um, and, but the, the bad thing was that the plan was that we were going to license the product to a big pharma. Right. So when we finished our phase one data, off it went. Um, and and the, even that was a really good experience for me because I had never been involved in that. Mm -hmm. Now I was going to have baby number two and I needed to find another job where I, I didn't worry that it was going to you know, go away. Right. So this time you're, you're working for a big CRO, is that right? I'm, I'm just trying to. I, originally, yeah, right. I, I, I was a nurse. How, how did how did that come about? I mean, how did you, I guess, first get into 
the industry into the uh, to a CRO because okay. so many guests that I have on the show, right? They have no idea that clinical yeah. research exists. And Absolutely. Adam, who is typically co-hosting with me, is yeah. one of the few people that has been on the show who had a plan to go into healthcare research, etc. Yeah, um, no. very few people did. So, yeah, talk us through that side of the story just to, to okay. take us back and give us an insight there. So um, I worked as a nurse in Boston Children's Hospital in mm. the cardiac step-down unit. And I had been in pediatric ICU for years before that. And I basically moved to Boston to get out of nursing because right. I was really burned out. Um, and I answered an ad after having been called in uh, over 4th of July weekend because I was on call and I was really irritated that I had to work 4th of July weekend. Mm -hmm. I finally got my, my button in gear to look for a job. And I answered an ad that said RN research 50% travel. And the reason that I was intrigued was because I needed a new car. <laughs> <laughs> this is the bit that I remember you saying to me. I was like, no, come on. I, I mean, yeah. when I came across your profile on LinkedIn, I, I'm picturing, you know, hugely successful CEO, etc. And then when you told me that you by chance stumbled across this you know, profession because you wanted a car at the time for work, I was just like, that is incredible. Yeah. Um, so yeah, how did that go? I, I thought that maybe there was a company car involved, mm. but when I interviewed for the job, I realized that um, it was for some of the early HIV research and it was airline travel. Um, so again, I was like in my late 20s and I thought to myself, oh, maybe if I get to go out to California, I'll be able to see the stars, Holmes. Yep. <laughs> again, not really a lofty ambition, wow. but I ended up spending the better part of a year, three weeks out of the month in, in San Francisco General Hospital, working on the data that was one of the first products approved for HIV. Mm -hmm. for the pneumonia that people didn't even know why they got it, but they were, you know, they got pneumonia and they were dead. And it was a hugely rewarding experience because um, the data had been sitting out in the field for several years. It was, everybody was in intensive care. So mm -hmm. for a, an ICU nurse, it's kind of the perfect segue into clinical research because I could really make out what was in the medical charts. Mm -hmm. um, and, and because I was, I was really willing to work hard. Um, I, I did the division of what we had to do as a team to perform mm -hmm. and we did it. Um, the data had been sitting in the field for a long time. And so we did it as, as a team. And at that point I was working at ParXL, mm -hmm. um, which at the time had like 40 people. 40 which, people. Yeah. Like, yeah. yeah. Very I mean, small. they're probably hiring 40 people per day at the moment. It's... Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> but what I ended up doing because I worked so hard was I, I kind of made my way. Mm. So, you know, the, the advice I would have to anybody who wants to make a difference is to volunteer and speak up and, and do a little extra mm. because I, you know, we often run into people who don't really think about doing that. Um, but I did. And then I got assigned to the next project um, as a project manager. And I realized that almost everybody I worked with really didn't have any idea what they were doing because mm -hmm. the industry was growing really rapidly. 
basically just like it is now. And so I went to a VP and I said, I would like you to give me the chance to do training. Because I can train these people on how to read a medical record and how to analyze the data. And so he gave me three months and he he said that I needed to to give him a metric to bring, to, to, to justify my job. And I, I almost, kind of like setting your own key performance indicators then almost you had to, you came up with the idea and then he asked you to yep. target and monitor yourself. Yep. And I, and I said, well, look, why don't we bring down the error rate? Because mm. that's really what the problem is. So yeah. I, I brought down the error rate and then I kind of made my own way from then on. And so for several years, for like seven years at ParXL, I... Mm. I developed the training curriculum. I went back to school and got a master's in corporate training and development because I wow. found my first love. Mm. Um, and I hired, I had trainers that, that worked in each office. Mm. Um, and so we, they were in serious acquisition and growth mode. Yeah. And, and what I would find that I would find myself getting asked to do things that were kind of big problems that needed to be solved. Mm-hmm. Um, and like one time, an entire series of research sites had the wrong consent form for their patients. So how yeah. are we gonna fix that, right? Mm-hmm. So I loved to solve a big problem. So when they were acquiring all their, um, their European operations, they were all individual small companies Mm-hmm. And they asked me to lead integrating those companies, which is actually very much like consulting. Right. So that's how I went into it. I really just w- wanted to wear real clothes. They it. must have absolutely loved you back then, because I think, you know, that you, you ask around in, in the industry and everyone claims to be a go-getter, proactive, etc. When it comes down to it, the theory of, of what needs to be done and the actual doing are two very, very different things. Yeah. But the fact that you were yeah, insanely ballsy to go to your VP and say, look, this is what I want to do. I want to train. And then him kind of fire back with, well, okay, you're going to need to come up with some metrics. And clearly you did it, um, <laughs> you know, made a success of it and then went on to further develop you know, other areas across kind of the European team as well, by the sound of things, um, yeah. is pretty incredible. Um, so where did, where did things then go from, from there? Because, yeah, I mean, I'm a business owner, you're a business owner. If you find an individual like that in your team, you're, you're impressed, you, you want to, you know, you want to push them and, and kind of uh, see where things are going to go. Where, what, what was the next steps for you then as an individual, Laurie? Well, so the, really the only reason I left ParXL was because I was having my, my first child and because mm-hmm. I was traveling so much. But I also realized along the way that I don't love huge companies because you mm-hmm. can't get as much done. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a lot more bureaucracy and there's a lot more siloing of people. Yeah, um, I mean, I'll, I'll say it for you, Laurie, red tape bullshit is what I often say. <laughs> yeah, yeah, well, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Um, and so you can't really make a, uh, my goal was always to make a, make a difference in whatever mm. I did. So, so when, when I was working in this little biotech company and they licensed their product out, I realized that I needed a job where it was going to be a bigger company where they were going to have more than one product. 
So I went to a second company and what I realized at that point was that they, they were in phase three, late stage uh-huh. trials, and almost everything had been done wrong. They had no quality, they had no quality system. They had no, um, they didn't really have a team of people who understood what they were doing. So I started basically doing a gap analysis of what was wrong and what needed to be done to fix it. And they didn't really want to hear that because I was. Why, Why not? Do you think? Well, obviously, if it's a if it's a company that's done a huge amount of they've spent four hundred million dollars on a clinical trial mm. and it's never going to get approved, that's kind of a big slap in the face to the mm. executive team, right? So they didn't really like that. So at yes, that yeah, point, it makes sense. I, well, I was just like, I'm not going to have my name on this. I'm not going to be the person who's responsible for the quality of the data if it's not good quality. Mm. So I left. Um, and, and what I did was come back to the original idea of having my own business. But now I had a really good idea. Yeah. And the, the really good idea was to work with small companies who didn't even really know that they needed the talent that they had. Mm-hmm. Because what a lot of founders, especially back then, if the founder was a PhD, they thought they already knew everything, right? Mm-hmm. And if they had somebody who had some business background, they didn't really think that they needed anything but that. And if, if it could have been prevented, if they could have had a good plan, that, that company that I work for could have probably at least found out whether their drug worked. Mm-hmm. So I set out to create a team of people who could go into early stage companies and prevent the problems. Fine. So you you identified there was a clear problem enough so that you know because yeah. of your own integrity you kind of left, yeah. uh, but you realised that there was a problem there and you could perhaps provide a solution. And like right. lots of of business um, entrepreneurs have said, you know what, if someone else isn't willing to run with my idea, I'm going to take my idea and I'm going to go and do it myself. And I never really thought about what I was getting myself into. So I uh-huh. guess that's probably a good thing. Um, you know, I worked in a, in the basement um, mm-hmm. and I didn't, I didn't really know finance. Mm-hmm. So I found somebody who could help me with that. And then ultimately. So was, was this at your, your, your house at the time you were working yeah. in the basement? I know when I started with my partner, we, we started in our box room, our, you know, the spare room next door neighbor's yeah. cat would come in. It was all very, very casual and kind of like, we don't really know exactly what we're doing here, but let's just see how it goes and (laughs) we'll we'll pick it up as it went along. So it sounds like it was the same for yourself. Well, and and actually I I jumped ahead a little step because the first place I started was an unfinished half path. Wow. And and we called that the closet of doom. (laughs) (laughs) Everybody in our office now knows that that was the first place we had, that that was where the company was founded, which is really yeah. Yeah. Love that. Um, and when we ultimately, you know, we started to hire, we ended up moving next door. We were in a flat mm-hmm. next door in like one of the Boston suburbs, Brighton. Yeah. Um, and, and then that was when the big financial crisis happened. Mm-hmm. And um, anybody who had money didn't want to spend it on full-time people. 
Mm-hmm. So that, and we had spent a, several years kind of shopping ourselves around and having informational interviews with venture capitalists. Yeah. And I would, I would say that was another really big lesson learned. Like you mm-hmm. go in and you introduce yourself and you don't expect to get anything out of it, but you, you identify a problem that you're solving that they don't have a solution for. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and that's when it kind of started to take off. Um, and you know, that, that really was when I, I, I stopped being, a, a, a worker on a project and stepped back a little bit mm-hmm. and realized that I really needed to learn how to run a company. Right. So rather than working the way I always phrase it and with myself and my brother, who's started his own business, um, is kind of working on the business rather than working in the business. And that's, you kind of it's sometimes hard to break that mold, isn't it? Because you're so focused on what needs to be done. And let's yeah. face it, to an extent, we all have a little bit of an ego. And we're like, well, I want, to, want it done my way, so I'm going to do it. Um, okay. And making that jump out is a tough one. So how did, how did you manage that transition period? What was going through your head at that time? Um, well, I wasn't so keen on being one of the project team members if I had people who were better than me. So my whole attitude has always been hire the best people you can possibly find because mm-hmm. they'll do a better job than you will. Yep. Um, and, you know, running clinical trials, I, I'd been doing that for 20 years by that point. Mm. So I, I, I ended up meeting a woman who was the first person who was an employee. She called me up after seeing something that I had done that had been videotaped mm-hmm. and she was moving here from India. Wow. And she called me up out of the blue on a Sunday morning. I was walking around Home Depot and mm. said, I want to come to a course that you're having. And she was going to come over and I ended up meeting her at a job fair and hiring her on the spot uh-huh. because- wow. I just could tell that she really, really got it. So mm. she was my first employee. I'm still in touch with her. Um, she works at Pfizer now, but yeah. she like she was absolutely going to be better at it than I was. Mm-hmm. So you know, a lot of what I ended up doing was to try to step back and think about well, what do we really need as a company in order to be able to grow. Yeah, and. And what do I need to learn? I, I don't really want to learn how to be a financial professional. I need uh-huh. somebody who can do finance. Yeah. So that, that would be another big lesson I would say is you can't be great at everything, but spend the time being good at what you're good at and find somebody else who can be really great at the things you don't want to do. Yeah. No, precisely. And I, I agree. Surround yourself with a good team and, you know, because the strength of any business is the strength of its people. So I think from the outset there, employee number one is always critical. Um, I think as are two, three, four, five, um, however many. So look, that was the very early days. Um, You know, we're a few years on now. um, And as I say, when I came across your profile, I was kind of like, Huge CEO, hugely successful. And then when you first told me that you had got into the, this <laughs> sphere of work because you saw an ad um, <laughs> and you thought you were going to get a car, 
I was just absolutely, <laughs> I was just, yeah, staggered by it all. Uh, but it's, yeah, fantastic to hear how that all happened. How did it then go? Give us a snapshot of, of how things are going, um, how you then have achieved the, the growth. So, I mean, how, what's the headcount like uh, for, for you as a consulting group now? We're about 150 FTEs. Wow. Um, in the past year, we added 50 people. Incredible. Um, and that really comes down to um, probably two things. Mm -hmm. One, we really hire good people. So we have a good reputation. Mm -hmm. um, and we, the work that we do is to set the company up for success. So we often will say, you don't need us anymore. You need to hire full-time people. Mm -hmm. And not a lot of consulting companies do that. Um, but the second thing is there's an incredible talent shortage of really, you know, senior level people, mm -hmm. and especially in Massachusetts. Um, we are based in the U.S. Um, we're in 30 states. And that's another big thing that I um, have as a philosophy. It doesn't matter where somebody works. Um, they, they, they need to be in a good place in their life. Mm -hmm. so we, we were able to attract people who live in Colorado, even though there might not be a biotech company nearby because they're yeah. really what they do. Mm -hmm. um, and, and, and I, you know, I, I have to actually give it to my talent acquisition team. They are absolutely fantastic. Um, I just met two people this morning who are recently new employees. Um, I try to meet every new employee when they, when, when they start, cause I'm not interviewing them. Mm. And, I, and I texted him right afterwards and I said, you just totally knocked it out of the park with these people. They're fantastic. And that's exactly what you want, um, I think. I mean, look, I'm running a recruitment business, helping companies grow as well. And I think getting it right and hitting the now bang on the head is so important. Um, and what I like is the fact that you, yeah, I'm, I'm probably unlike a lot of companies, you will do your bit and then say, actually, you, you're now at a point where you don't necessarily need us, which I think right. speaks volumes about what you're doing and your values as a company uh, yeah. as to how you treat your clients. So therefore, anyone perhaps joining you knows that, well, if that's how they're treating their clients, I'm going to be well looked after. So I'm sure that that is perhaps, you know, why you've been so successful. But look, what else, I guess, for anyone else who's looking to follow in your, your shoes here or, you know, um, doing something similar. What do you have, is there is there a blueprint that you know keeps your staff happy? Is there an, everyone always wants to know the secret sauce? Often it you know it comes down to the people. But look, if you were to try and name any of that, is there something that you think that you you know what's in the water at Halloran Consulting Group that is keeping everyone so on point? Uh, so I, I, a couple things. And I, and I just literally said this to the two people this morning, is mm. if, if our people are the most important thing, then, they're, then the clients they work for will see that and will get it. Mm -hmm. So it's not about how can we make our clients happy, it's how can we, make, how can we choose good people and then make them happy? Because Definitely. then they'll make the clients happy. Um, so that's a huge thing. And it always makes me incredibly happy when 
and it's happened more than once, when somebody says in my informational interview after they've started, mm-hmm. you, know, you know, they told me when I was interviewing that this was a fantastic culture. Mm-hmm. And I thought, yeah, yeah, yeah. But it really is. <laughs> Love that. It, it happens more than not where somebody says, I never believed it would be this great, mm. but this is a really great culture. It feels like a family. Yeah. And I think that's missing in a lot of companies, but we spend a huge amount of time paying attention to that. And that's been a big challenge over the pandemic, but we have, we have, I have people on my team, on my HR team who think about that as their top priority and uh, that's missing in a lot of companies. I think I couldn't agree more. As I say, look, we're a recruitment business, but I'm also hiring myself and I've often had clients or just anyone that I've been networking, you know, give me a compliment on, on what my team have done and say, how do you train your team to be so energetic, enthusiastic and proactive and I kind of there's nothing really I just say look I don't train them to be enthusiastic and energetic I spend a lot of time up front to find people that have that because Mm -hmm. that's the type of people that I want to work with they're easy to deal with yeah you know the technical abilities on, on, on the recruiting side or you know whatever job it might be that's what you train you don't train someone to be enthusiastic they are they are or they're they're not and so I think getting it right from the very first step um, is what it's all about it sounds like your talent acquisition team are nailing that so um yeah I I couldn't agree more there and it's it's yeah good to hear that you're also getting compliments on the culture because it kind of it's I know I feel it's a little bit of pat on the back of right I know it's tough at time in order to to get the right people but Anytime I hear something, I'm like, it's, it's worth it. It's so, so worth it. Well, and, and a lot of it, so it's definitely the work, you know, people want to have um, intellectually stimulating work where they feel like they can make a difference. Mm. But if we hire people for our core values, where, you know, it's expertise with personality, mm-hmm. um, it's getting it done together. Um, so we, the talent acquisition teams hires for, with those values in mind, but then it's, you know, it, it's not all BS when they get into the company. Mm. Um, we do spend a fair amount of time having fun, enjoying each other's company. That's been really hard during the pandemic, but I, again, I have to give them a huge round of applause because they work on home base days and, you know, escape rooms and stuff like that, which is oh, all really? that's what we've, we've done two recent company outings, which have been escape rooms. And when it first came up, I was kind of, Oh, am I going to like it? But I was so sold. It was unreal. It was just, it sucks you in. It was, it was great fun. Yeah. Um, but look, I guess that brings me kind of nicely on, Laurie, to kind of my, my next question. You've obviously already um, indicated that you've taken on kind of 50 over the 50 people. Was it over the last year? Yeah. Um, so during, yeah. you know, coronavirus times, the, the pandemic. So clearly you're, you're weathering the storm very well. Um, but 
I guess, what have been perhaps the, the biggest challenges that you have faced as a business in that time? And perhaps personally as, as well, because it's, it's not all plain sailing. I think there's a lot of companies so, in the pharma, biotech, uh, healthcare industries that are doing well. And there's a silver lining of, of COVID. But yeah, there's often been a lot of personal mental health challenges. What, what, what's been the biggest challenge for you as a business and, and for yourself personally? Um, well, you know, there was a huge amount of, in the industry, a huge amount of uncertainty about how are we going to get this done? Mm. How are we going to keep clinical trials going? Um, in the beginning of the pandemic, um, I was really frightened that every single clinical trial was dead in the water and mm. we were going to, we were going to get, you know, have our contracts terminated Yeah, because um, because they didn't need us. Right. So it just came to me like the first week of the pandemic, you know, what people really need is they need a place to find out what other people are doing. How are we getting through this? Mm -hmm. So, um, I was secretly petrified that we were going to have to lay people off. And mm -hmm. so what I said was let's convene a town hall and invite everybody on our list and get them talking to each other. Uh -huh. um, the first one, I think we had 125 companies. Wow. Within about a month, it went up to like 300 companies on a Zoom and no one had ever used, they'd never used cameras on Zoom before. But it became something that people were coming to and telling their colleagues about. And so we'd, we'd get emails saying, can you, you know, can you include my friend? She lives down the road and she doesn't know what she's going to do either. Mm. And, and it had a, a bit of an unintended consequence of having a massive amount of new business come in. Mm -hmm. Great for us. Um, and, and it really helped the team feel like they were making a difference because we were working, they were actually working on emergency use authorization applications. Yeah. We wow. Investigator initiated studies to try to find COVID treatments. Mm -hmm. Huge for the, for the people in the company. The other thing we did was um, everybody and you know, nobody's immune from this. Everybody was suddenly at home with their kids and their, and their uh, spouses. Mm. So, and again, this is my, my CFO, who is an unbelievable people, per, people person. She and her team came up with the hashtag your day, your way. Right. And it was communicated across the board. If you have something you have to do with your kids, mm -hmm. or if you have to do a doctor's appointment, block your calendar. We will not if we can possibly help it, we won't schedule over it because we have to all respect each other. And you have to be able to get your work life and your home life to balance because mm -hmm. otherwise you're not going to be able to survive. And that was probably the biggest thing that everybody went through um, in order to, you know, try to navigate it. I had stuff with my parents. My parents were stuck in Florida they didn't even get the concept of how dangerous it would be to go out to happy hour. So I had like all kinds of stuff to try to do at home. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I ended up being in my dining room for four months and then I moved to my guest bedroom, but my dog mm -hmm. used to lay right behind the 
the camera like this. <laughs> there was a lot showing right then. So I moved up to my attic like a year and a half ago and I'm still here. <laughs> wow. Well, it sounds as though, I guess, um, kind of, um, it's one of my favorite books that I, I've read over the past 18 months. Um, the Obstacle is the Way. And it seemed as though for you, that has certainly been the case and you've used what it has been a huge obstacle for, for so many of us, myself included, um, you know, in terms of, of us as a business and mm. turned it into an opportunity by not being selfish about it, by actually going out of your way to, to help others. And in return, what you've put out there has then come back, you know, to, 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 to return the favour by the sounds of things. So I love that sort of um, story. And I'm so pleased that, you've shared it and and it's been going well uh laurie yeah and i mean it, you know it, it wasn't that i did it because I, I i was just basically in a minor state of panic and mm. you know, when you're running a company you can't convey that state of panic to everybody that you're working with mm. it's not going to fly um but it it had really beneficial consequences but but it could have not right yeah um and you know I, and i think a lot of a lot of our reputation came from word of mouth. It always has. Um, we, you know, we are known for being good at what we do and also to being, you know, being, we're not a vendor. We're not trying to get the next contract. Um, and that's, I think that's a really big thing for people to take away. Yeah. You know, we think of, uh, we think of our clients as partners and we will give them news that might not make them happy but it's important news that they need to hear and and that's not I wasn't trained to do that when I was working on a CRO mm -hmm. be a big lesson for for you know CROs to learn that they're not just doers they need to be thinkers too mm. I think that's a great motto to, to live by is kind of exactly that kind of doing what is the right thing and sharing the information even though you know it's not it's not always what people want to hear but that is that is a partner you know yeah. that's what you want inside your business so that way you should extend it to those that you're working outside your business and, and partnering with so uh, look totally agree um on all of that um and it's good to hear that yeah things are going well but look give us a quick overview now on I guess your plans for the future, what's in store for, for yourself, uh, for your parents, if they're still hitting happy hour, um, for, <laughs> and for the world of you know, pharma, biotech, CROs that, that we all work in, what, is there any predictions you've got? So what's, what's in store for, for all of us as we move through 2022? I can't believe we're here. <laughs> Um, well, I'd like, to, you know, you, you might have figured out that I'm, I'm, I'm an incurable optimist. Um, I think that the vaccines and getting the vaccines and the treatments um, in such a rapid time frame has made the world recognize this industry. Nobody knew about it before. Mm. Um, so suddenly clinical trials and drug development, except for, you know, except for a few people who wear red hats, um, is a place where, you know, 
they've their world has been brought back to them to some degree mm -hmm. um and and it's really resulted in a massive amount of investment um i was on another call this morning and there was speculation about is you know are we kind of at the end of the boom um, because it's slowed down quite a bit, but I, I don't think that we are. I think that there's going to be a little bit of slowdown just because you can't keep up this pace forever. Um, but you know, the, it's a heck of a lot more sane investment than travel. <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> um, you know, hotels. Um, so, you know, I, th I think that We've matured a lot as an industry. We're in a better place. The fact that those vaccines were developed as quickly as they were. Incredible. The science has, has matured to the point where this is what we're doing. Um, I, had, I had a number of friends who were still nurses calling me and saying, you know, should I really do this? Mm. And luckily I could answer them with a little bit of science background to say, you know, they've been working on this for years. Yeah. Yes, you should. Um, and, and that tells me, you know, that, that kind of informs what the future is going to look like, which is, you know, gene and cell and gene therapy, there's cures out there for diseases that never will be able to be cured. So I'm really obviously pretty bullish on the industry. Um, as a company, we've made a, a conscious choice not to try to grow as big as we can possibly be. Uh -huh. um, we really wanna do meaningful work. Um, and I, I absolutely will you know, pull in my executive team who are all women. Um, our nickname is the Badass Ladies. Um, Love it. <laughs> we work really well together, but the, you know, the, the end all be all isn't growth. It's doing good work and taking care of your people. Um, for me, I, I, at the end of 2020, um, I did a 30% employee stock ownership program. So I wanted the company members, the, the employees of the company to feel like owners. And what we've also done along the way is help to educate them on what that means. Mm -hmm. um, and my ultimate goal really is to, to be 100% employee owned. Incredible. Laurie, there's so many impressive things about you and your business and what you've done. Um, and this isn't even to mention half of the awards that I saw when reading your bio on, on LinkedIn. Um, so look, it's hugely impressive. I can't wait to see what it, it is next. I like the, the fact that you're not targeting insane growth for the sake of it, because um, no. look, my business is nowhere near uh, the size of, of yours at this point. But I don't want to, I'm, I'm also not a huge fan of big companies. Uh, I like it to be a group of people that I know, like, trust, and, and kind of feel that common goal and like can have have a laugh with them, have fun with them. You know, I, I don't want to lose that. So, you know, right. that's, you know, someone else sees that, you know, huge company thing as success. For me, again, we all have our own version of success, don't we? And it's good to know that you've got your head firmly on your shoulders and a clear vision of, of you know what you're doing as well um, we don't have investors right mm. we don't have people that are only in it for the money yeah and and likewise all, all self-funding i think that's one of the the conscious decisions my partner lucy and i've always made is like 
no, we don't want that. That's just, it's not, it's not in my personality. I'm, I've got no interest in that sort of thing whatsoever. And it seems that you share those values. So that's why I've loved having you on the show, loved hearing all of your story and, and what's next. Certainly we'll be following you. But look, before I let you go, we <laughs> always end the show with a few quick fire questions with a quick fire round. All right. Um, so that I'll kick off with, with the first one. And um I guess, yeah, thinking back to how you're into the industry, uh, what is um, the one or, or number one piece of advice you would perhaps give to your younger self? Don't be afraid. That's the number one piece of advice. Mm -hmm. Don't be afraid to try something because the worst thing that can happen is you'll, you'll just fail. But failure is a great teacher. Mm -hmm. um, I, like that. I say that to my kids. You know, you learn way better from failure than you do from success. It's so strange, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, you say the worst thing that you do is, is fail. So many people build that up as such a, a negative thing, but it's kind of like done next. That's how I yeah. see it. I'm, I'm so used to it. I'm just, it's like water of a, a duck's backs these days. So solid, yeah. solid advice. Um, well, and I'll go back to what I said earlier. If you have an idea, speak up, mm -hmm. step up because a lot of people are afraid to do that. And it's never gonna get you in trouble. It's gonna make people in management recognize that you're somebody to watch. Definitely. And look, moving on to my next quick fire question, uh, Laurie, uh, one that I'm always interested in, I mentioned um, a book that I read recently, which is The Obstacle is, is the Way. What is the number one book or resource um, that you would perhaps either recommend for our audience or it's sitting on your bookshelf bedside table at the moment i cannot read at night i fall asleep within five minutes <laughs> a good reason to stop reading i mean that, for some people exactly. that would be a dream um so one of the things that i it's i mean i always have a subscribe to the seven habits of highly effective people right it's an okay. old book but it's a good one it is but the source that I would say is really critical is find a group of peers because nobody can ever know what you're going through like you can like like that those folks can do so mm -hmm. I've always looked for a peer group to learn from each other I like it yeah agree kind of that mastermind group where you can yep. spitball ideas share yeah feelings etc always useful yeah. Um, so very good indeed. And look, I guess taking you back five, 10 minutes on, on our conversation here, um, there's been incredible growth um, for yourself. And clearly that's because of your values, etc. cetera. Um, but what would you list as your top three qualities that you personally, I, I guess, value most when building a team? Um, hmm. Honesty um integrity um the willing to take a chance those are the top three integrity is really really out there i thought it would perhaps be in there but the, the, the very fact that you say to your clients look you don't need us anymore that just says a lot about your own integrity personally and as a business so um no i like i like those um and probably my favorite now of my quick fire round is about that we speak so much, you know, and I see uh, webinars, etc. everyone talking science, 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 and, you know, 
we kind of get branded as um, big pharma this and uh, everything else. But look, what is your favorite thing to relax, to enjoy outside of work? What is the lorry outside of work like? What do you get up to? Uh, I love to hang out with friends and just drink some Chardonnay and relax and enjoy them and enjoy and, and my kids same thing mm -hmm. social time with people. social time friends and family well I remember when yeah. I first spoke to you you were mentioning Thanksgiving and I can't recall how many people you had to your house but I was like wow <laughs> you almost need a catering service 35, 35. amazing yeah, and it was my parents house ah okay they're still alive and kicking <laughs> good to hear it good to hear yeah. it yeah Perfect. So social time. And look, to, to, to wrap us up then a little bit more deep, um, but look, you've clearly been very successful uh, in your own career. Um, so look, what is the number one golden rule that you would list for, for life and, and for business? Do the right thing. That's it. I mean, if you do the right thing, if you don't ever have uh, hesitancy on what you've decided to do because you know it's the right thing you'll never really make a mistake that can't be corrected i like it kind of gut feel integrity yeah. same same theme throughout really isn't it laurie you're yeah. very consistent with that and yeah again have to be though because mm -hmm. you can't really compromise it definitely well look, laurie as i said it has been a pleasure to hear how you got into the industry because it kind of it was almost by chance um, yeah. and then to hear how yeah you started from what was almost a broom cupboard to now 150 staff going strong having yeah huge zoom calls and meetups and thingies it's a, an, a highly impressive um journey so look we'll continue to, to follow your story look for anyone that wants to reach out to yourself and, and the business um i know that you and i connected via linkedin is that perhaps the best way to get you or your totally website? Fine. What's 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 the what's the best way to connect? Totally fine to reach out through through LinkedIn. I just introduced a, a, a guy from Africa to a couple of companies here because he wants a new job. And I Amazing. met him on LinkedIn. Yep. Fantastic. Well, look, Laurie, thanks again for being a guest uh, with us on the Huxley Morton podcast. I'll let you get off to enjoy your day. I know you're off out to socialize and enjoy perhaps a couple of glasses <laughs> of Chardonnay tonight. So look, have a cracker and I will certainly keep in touch. Good. Very good. Thank you for inviting me. You're welcome.